one good thing about COVID is that I've been replaying Red Dead Redemption 2 recently. And uh, I've been finding a whole lot of things that I've never found before. Like, I actually went on the whole Dinosaur Bones quest. It's really kind of fun. And I regret not taking enough time my first playthrough, I gotta say. So what you're saying is you took your horse down the old town road. You found and I've been riding like I, like I, until I came no more. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm back, folks. Uh, it's been a while because I've been sick like nobody's business. Dude, COVID, like, it's not enjoyable. Let's put it that way. I had a really bad fever. I was aching like crazy. I had a headache. Like I was like a little bit nauseous. I felt really tired. All sorts of weird symptoms. Never lost my taste of like my taste or smell. My That's kind of, of depressing. What I, meant to say. I had a I had a few a uh, few fraternity bros in my fantasy league. I took all their money by the way. Uh, good, good. But I had a few of them. You know, they said when they got it, they would just sit there and took shots of vodka, whiskey, whatever, and just got <laughs> fucked up like that because I couldn't taste it. It tasted like water. I was thinking if I lost my sense of smell, I would just eat a whole bunch of asparagus get cleaned out. <laughs> <laughs> I would need to lose my sense of taste, too. But, you know, well, yeah, I mean, true. that would true. probably do it. <laughs> well, we got a bunch of news to get into. I am back, and it's... A- it's a good thing because this has been a very eventful weekend that we need to talk about in detail. It's me and bug no tug for really the foreseeable future, right? He's got some weird work schedule going on, but we might, I mean, we might get lucky every now and then too, though, you know, yeah. you never know. We can kind of one of those things, but in the meantime, I'm back bugs on and we're going to be talking some football news Let's get right down to it. First it, up, baby. first up is Black Monday. The Chicago Bears are without a head coach or a general manager anymore. I know you are very excited about this bug. Let's kick it over to you. So, <laughs> on top of uh, you know doing this podcast and being a part of the NFL carousel, I've talked about that a few times. Wasn't able to do that in a while, but that's a different discussion. We can talk about that later if you want. Uh, but I've gotten into to streaming. And I, I mostly stream NHL. But, of course, I'm still a part of the uh, Gridiron Universe Madden League. We're getting the, the Xbox Series X, the next-gen league, up and running. So I've been testing out my new setup, doing a lot of streaming. Well, me and Morgan, my wife, we stayed up streaming, drinking until, like, 2 o'clock on Sunday. Hell yeah. So by the time I woke up, both of these assholes had already been fired. And I say that. Matt Nagy, nice enough guy. I guess you'd probably say the same thing for Ryan Pace. NFL coach of the year, not that long ago. Ryan Pace was front office executive of the year, whatever that award was. Right. Ryan Pace, to me, is a bigger failure than Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy, I don't know what happened. He, to his credit, kept the locker room together. And there were a lot of reasons for them to quit. I will say, though, that last game... uh, 
it looked like the Bears just quit down the stretch, and who can really blame them? When you throw the ball six times on fourth and one, it's like you don't want to win. Anyway, both those guys are out. I woke up to that news. It was amazing. Uh, and then there were a cut, there was another firing that we'll get to in a little bit that John woke up to, and I was as confused as he was by that. <laughs> right. He right. saw that and was so upset and reasonably so. And it's Brian Flores. We'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, that he didn't even realize that you know everything that was going on with the Bears. So before we get into, we're kind of going to go through all the the firings here, and then who has already been reported. Uh, to either be scheduled for an interview or is uh, their team is being requested uh, for interview access by the Bears. Uh, I, I do want to say, too, obviously, as a Bears fan, when the press conference happened with George McCaskey, uh, I watched. I watched a good piece of it. I shook my head a lot at a lot of things he had to say. Got to give credit to a lot of the guys with press passes there, really putting them on the line, asking them some really tough questions. Uh, but one thing he did bring up was that Ted Phillips was retained, which is a he's the team president, and a lot of people have been calling for Ted Phillips to be gone as well. However, Bill Polian and Tony Dungy are being brought in to assist in the search for coach and GM. I like and hate the move all at the same time, but that's a very different conversation. What I do want to point out is uh, George McCaskey made it clear that they would like to get a GM first. And so far, there are six guys on their list of GM candidates, confirmed GM candidates. However, their head coaching candidate list is longer. And I'm curious what the dynamic's going to be like if they hire a coach before they hire the GM. And so before we really get into that conversation, what, like, my thing is, if you get a head coach, like you, you find your guy, Brian Dable's one of the guys on this list. He's one of the hot ticket guys to be a, a head coach here this last season and especially this season, right? Brian Dable says, yes, I want to do it. They, you know, Jordan Cassie made it clear. We're not going to pass up the guy just because we don't have a GM yet. I don't think any GM is going to be too, uh, too anti-working with Brian Dable. Dable, I'm going to screw that up forever. And I'm definitely going to screw up one of these GM candidates. So just, it gets worse, promise. <laughs> well, uh, let me pronounce it, all right? <laughs> <laughs> that works. Uh, but, you know, what if, you know, say, what if they pick somebody else and it's not somebody that's as hot, high of a guy, as hot of a talent, and maybe a little bit tougher to work with when they do get the GM there? What do you think that could possibly do to the dynamic uh, as far as, working together and moving bears forward or any team for that matter. Cause the, yeah, there's two other teams that are in the same position. So it could be brutal. It could be terrible. It could destroy your franchise forever. At the same time, it could be one of the best things to ever happen to the bears. Here's what I'm comparing it to, which is absolutely wild, but take what I'm saying seriously for a second here. There is a legit comparison to the founding of this country when it was the first place voter was president and the second place vote getter was vice president. They didn't run on the same ticket. There was nope. a reason that they wanted different viewpoints in those positions working together. 
You're forced to work together, even if you disagreed with each other, to make this country a better place. All right. So if you take that same concept to a franchise, you have a coach and a GM who think very differently from each other. That can still produce some fantastic results, but it takes putting your egos aside and actually working together to make the franchise better. That's a hard thing to do, especially for some of these high-profile coaching candidates like Brian Dable, who you were talking about there, like I mean Todd Bowles getting another head coaching opportunity, like the big-name candidates of like Byron Leftwich or Nathaniel Hackett. Or Matt Eberflus has been a big name candidate for like three years now. You know, these kind of guys have the egos already. Doug Peterson's getting interviewed. He won a Super Bowl as a head coach. That's going to be really hard for him to put his ego aside and work with a GM that he might even disagree with. That's going to be fascinating to watch. It would make a lot of sense in that case to bring in a guy who, who is brand new to this. Maybe doesn't even have the hype around him if they're going to hire a head coach first, I personally would rather hire a GM first. And I think everybody would rather hire a GM first. I think, you know, you're looking at president, vice president comparison there. The GM's absolutely the president, right? Right, right. And granted, I would say the vice president, the coach in this situation, maybe has a little more responsibility and a little more important job as far as football goes. But if the president, the GM, he's not doing his job and you're not getting along, it could be, could absolutely create some friction there. So before we get to the list of candidates, before we get to the list of candidates for a coach and GM, really, let's go ahead and talk about all the openings. Because I think the list of candidates is going to be fairly identical. There's there's a lot (laughs) of similarities. Only a couple of differences. So we'll talk about that in a second when we get to those differences. But for the most part, it's, very similar, even for the ones that haven't been announced yet. I expect the candidates list right, to be right. basically the same. So Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, the Bears are wide open. Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman are gone. The Vikings are wide open as well in the same division there. Vic Fangio is gone, so the head coaching spot for the Denver Broncos is open. GM is filled. That's that hasn't changed. There might Denver. be an ownership change coming here soon, too, though. But we'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) Uh, Brian Flores is out of Miami. We mentioned that briefly, but we didn't mention that Greer is staying. The GM is still there. Uh, And the Giants are wide open. Uh, David Gettleman retired. He's 70 years old, so it kind of makes sense. He was also getting forced out a little bit, right? But at the same time, he's 70. He retires. Joe Judge was just fired like a couple of hours ago as we're recording this we're recording this as late as humanly possible to get this out on time because we expected something like this could happen joe judge is gone and the giants job both jobs are completely wide open so let's get back to the candidates right let's get back to the candidates all these different jobs open the raiders might still be open we know the jaguars head coaching job is open I mean, there's there's plenty of opportunity out there. Who are your favorite top-tier candidates? So we actually had a text conversation about this a couple days ago. This is a guy that's name has been thrown around a lot, uh, specifically linked to the Raiders, the Bears, and there was one other team, I think, that had 
was high on the list of, oh, this would probably happen. This one's complete rumor. There's been no confirmation that he's even interviewing. Only that uh, he does have NFL experience. He took a team to the Super Bowl with a questionable quarterback. And he has said that he will go back to the NFL given the right situation. The right situation would either be a team that's mostly complete, like the Raiders, or the team he played for, the Bears. I'm talking about uh, John, no, Jim Harbaugh, sorry. (laughs) The one that lost the Super Bowl and ran away to college. (laughs) Uh, None of that's confirmed. We talked about a little bit on the last episode, but now that all these openings are open here as well, I still don't think that any team but the two that I mentioned may be Miami potentially, but Miami has come out and said they're not going to pursue him at all. Well, Ross so, is a is a team up north alumni, and he said he doesn't want to ruin that chemistry, so he's not going to hire Harbaugh away from him. So fair enough, I guess. A little, little bit of loyalty that runs deep there. So yeah, I mean, it, it could be. Really, I think that comes down to two teams. There has been no confirmation that he's even interviewing either place from what I've seen. And there's been no confirmation that he won't just be back at Michigan next year. So you will not hear his name on this list. But the Bears have been, you know, we had this conversation because they've been extremely aggressive. They've asked to interview, they've asked the Bills to interview both offensive and defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier and Brian Dabble. They've talked to the Bucks about their offensive and defensive coordinators, Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich gone to the Colts for a lot. We'll get to more of who they've been talking to the Colts about, but Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator there, Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, don't see that one really happening for the Bears. Uh, Dan Quinn from the Cowboys, obviously the defensive coordinator down there. And tomorrow, or today as you're listening to it, on Wednesday, they're going to interview Doug Peterson, who last coached for the Eagles, won a Super Bowl. Then the next year came and beat the Bears in the wildcard round off of a double play. Right. Last but not least, they're interviewing Brian Flores. I, I don't want to say what I think about Brian Flores until a little bit later, <laughs> but it's yeah. We'll we'll talk I'll about say it. Later it right, I'll say it right now. Let's talk about Miami for a second because sure. I think that firing was idiotic, and I understand there are some questions about his leadership ability and his you know he was unable to retain a consistent staff. All of that. At the same time, looking at what Brian Flores was able to do with this Dolphins team over the past couple of years, he's well, had two consecutive, two consecutive winning records. They went ten and six last year, nine and eight this year. Missed the playoffs both times off some random nonsense in the AFC, and because of that, he gets fired. I actually really liked the direction that the Dolphins were headed. And this might be a hard hole for the Dolphins to dig themselves out of. The defense especially was fantastic under Brian Flores. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears take a good hard look at him. Because, man, that defense under Matt Nagy was starting to wane. And that's been your calling card for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. You want a guy like Brian Flores, to me. What do you think? So Brian Flores would be, to me, is going to be a guy that you do not want to hire without having the GM there first. You don't want to have that position because of the friction there. 
the plus side is I didn't hear anything negative about the locker room presence, which is Nagy's calling card. He kept that locker room together, didn't have anybody turn on anybody. Maybe it waned a little bit this year because they knew he wasn't going to be back. And that's not his fault. And that's not even the player's fault. That's human instinct. Like, why do I want to work hard for a guy that is leaving here, right? When I look at this list, obviously, Brian Dable's going to be at the top. Byron Leftwich for me, is also near the top. I'm taking a good look at Doug Peterson. I'm even looking at Dan Quinn a little bit. Look at how good the Cowboys' defense has been. And granted, I get that a lot of Diggs' play is his style, but he's been coached that to some degree. The Bears don't have anybody like that, and I don't want to see Jalen Johnson become this all-or-nothing guy. You got a guy like Graham who was sitting on the practice squad, has a big game. Hey, why not have somebody – why not have him be that guy? Or why not? Well, and imagine, turn... imagine Khalil Mack running around in a Micah Parsons room. Yeah. Or or <laughs> even converting Roquan Smith to that a little bit. Who's due for, like he's in a contract. Like he do he's due for an extension. He deserves top money. And again, this is why Ryan Pace is gone. The cap is so fucked for the Bears. Somebody on that defense is leaving. I mean, uh, everybody assumes it's going to be Akeem Hicks, and it probably will be Akeem Hicks with some other things going on. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, uh, back to the Bears. Leslie Frazier, I don't want him. Saw what he did with the Vikings. Don't want it. Todd Bowles. Okay. Interesting. It's an interesting take. Byron Leftwich, like I said, I want him, but he's also had it pretty easy. And the difference between Justin Fields and Tom Brady is massive. However, the difference between a young Byron Leftwich and Justin Fields, very close. So I would say you have to compare not what he did with Tom Brady, but what Byron Leftwich was able to do with Jameis Winston. And yep. if he can get Justin Fields throwing for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, I don't think Justin Fields is going to be throwing 30 interceptions with that. Oh, so <laughs> I would say that offensive scheme is probably worth – considering as well but i mean there's there's plenty of options on the table right. but let's I, let's forget other... about the bears for a second because we're we're like focused on the bears there are a lot of other openings right now the vikings <laughs> yeah. broncos dolphins giants jaguars are all open for sure the raiders might be open they have an interim head coach right now who led them to the playoffs for the first time in a long time so let's talk about the Raiders for a second, just because, I mean, I just want to mention I, this, right? I, the last time they made the playoffs was under Jack Del Rio. They did not make the playoffs under John Gruden. And now they have made the playoffs under Rich Basatia. You have to at least consider keeping him. At the same time, there are a lot of coordinators who seem to be worth talking to. The Bills, Bucks, both coordinators. The Colts and Packers offensive coordinator, I mean, the other coordinators that we haven't mentioned yet are also being considered for other openings. Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles' defensive coordinator. I mean, Eric Bieniemy has been on the radar for five years at this point, it feels like. And I saw um, somebody else say this, and I think I buy into it. Matt Nagy ruined Eric Bieniemy's chance of being on the radar for <laughs> Chicago. That's, yeah, probable. <laughs> uh, Kevin O'Connell, the Rams' offensive coordinator, is also getting a look. And Gerard Mayo, Pat's off the, the Patriots linebackers coach, former Patriots linebacker, is also getting some interviews at least, which I find very fascinating. I don't know about that personally just yet. 
I would like to see him as the coordinator first. But, I mean, you can't deny his energy. Mike McDaniel, I actually like that a lot. 49ers offensive coordinator is getting some interest. Vance Joseph, a former head coach himself and current Cardinals defensive coordinator, getting some looks. And Kellen Moore is the other big name, Cowboys offensive coordinator. I'm really surprised we haven't mentioned him yet. But he's not getting interviewed by the Bears. He's getting interviewed by basically everyone else. I would really like to see him go to Denver, personally. I don't even know why. I just feel like that's a good fit. Maybe it's the Broncos' name. But, (laughs) I mean, there are a lot of really solid coordinator candidates. At the same time, you have Doug Peterson and Jim Caldwell getting looks, and Brian Flores, all former head coaches right now, all getting calls. But let's go back to the Raiders for just a second. Do you think it would be beneficial for them to keep Rich Pasatia, or would you like to see him go in a different direction? If it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think that's where right. I'm where I'm at with this because we've joked, and even this year it happened to a degree. The midseason collapse of the Raiders. It's become their brand, and he was able to recover from it. I don't know how you can turn around and spit in the face of that. And I understand that he was, he wasn't Mr. Right. He was Mr. Right now, but he might be Mr. Right moving forward. There's still a lot of questions about Derek Carr. And to that end, Mike Mayock's out as well. We didn't, you know, we didn't mention him. Probably. (laughs) I I think it's, I think it's confirmed. I might've, maybe I misread something. It's not official, but it's, Basically confirmed, as far as I know. Yeah. Raiders' Mike Mayock will be fired after the season. That's from an insider. So, (laughs) yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's tough. If if they do fire Mayock, it it becomes very tough. A new GM probably going to want a new guy in. But at the same time, you know, it's not Al Davis. But his son's pretty involved with the team a lot of the same way that Jerry Jones is. He might say, hey, you can come in and be GM, but we got a head coach already. You got to be okay with that. And here's why. You're welcome to talk to him. And maybe even turn this into a situation where the coach helps pick a GM. You know, you know, turn the tables a little bit here. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that actually would work, I think, just as well. as uh, I think that's probably what really happened with John Gruden and Mike Mayock. But we've seen how well that worked out for the Raiders so far. That's true. I don't know, man. So, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> job there. Right, right. I mean, the Raiders all around is interesting situation, to put it nicely. So all of these openings for head coach, there are three confirmed, four probable openings for GM right now. Let's talk about the candidates that we know for sure, which this is all coming from the Bears interview list. Nobody else has announced any interviews for GM, as far as I'm aware. But uh, there's, I think I have one. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about the candidates that we know for sure. So from the Colts, we have Morocco Brown and Ed Dodds college scout and assistant GM, respectively. I kind of get the assistant GM angle. The college scout angle is interesting to me. 
I do like that, though, because the Colts have been fantastic at drafting recently. So I, I kind of understand it. Also, we have the Browns, vice president of football operations and vice president of player personnel. So Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and Glenn Cook, respectively, there from the Cleveland Browns, which, again, fascinating to me. Never would have expected anyone from the Cleveland Browns ever getting another job opportunity ever anywhere. <laughs> but they're not terrible anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, I give them a look. Uh, Joe Schoen from the Bills, assistant general manager there. And Jeff Ireland, who I have heard as a candidate in the past, but he's getting some more looks now. He's currently the Saints assistant general manager. All getting interviews with the Bears. That's the candidates that we know for sure that are out there. I'm sure there are other assistant GMs also on the table for other organizations. But those six we have confirmed for the Bears. Of these guys, I am most interested by Morocco Brown, college scout for the Colts. But at the same time, I know much less about front office personnel than I do about coaches, I will say. I think it's worth noting, too, that Jeff Ireland – he was the uh, Saints assistant general manager the same year that Ryan Pace went to Chicago. So Ryan Pace had been all through the, the Saints front office, leaves, comes to the Bears. Jeff Ireland comes in the same year that Ryan Pace had left. Maybe they were there just first year and Ryan Pace's last year. I, the, the years make it seem like it's different, but you never know. Also, the fact that he's a ch- he was a ball boy for the Bears as a kid, that's probably playing a big part into why he's on this list. And the Caskies, it's a family-owned team. It's been passed down since George Hallis. You know, not nothing huge, just being a ball boy, but it would be interesting to see that happen. A lot of people are excited at the prospect of Dodds becoming the, uh, the GM here. I don't, again, I, I'm with you. I don't know a ton about front office personnel. I don't hate going after a college scout at all either, though. Look at some of the drafts the Colts have had. He was one of the first guys announced. People were up and excited for that uh, for that announcement as well. So I was looking up how I knew Jeff Ireland here because I know I've heard the name before. Apparently, he was the vice president of football operations under Bill Parcells for the Miami Dolphins back in the day. Oh, and big then, tuna then was promoted to the general manager of the Miami Dolphins to replace Bill Parcells, which is a terrible position to be in. And of course he was fired from that because how in the world do you ever replace Bill Parcells at anything ever? <laughs> so I, I don't know if you can really blame him. <laughs> Happens. He also apparently asked Des Bryant in an interview whether Bryant's mother was a prostitute. So that's exciting. And definitely the kind of guy you want as your GM. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we ran through that list of, uh, of coaching candidates and I had it, I had it set up because the way I did, because one of the things I really wanted to point out is that, you know, I've been saying for a while, I don't know that the enemy would want to leave Kansas City. Seems like a great situation. Right. Uh, Denver makes a lot of sense, though, too. The enemy is a CU alum. Be coming home for him. 
and there's enough Broncos fans that are up for it. But much like I don't see Nathaniel Hackett going to the Bears because he'd be coming from a division rival, I think it'd be kind of tough for the enemy to go from one AFC West team to another. Again, that CU connection might be the uh, the difference maker. At the same time, we've seen some relative success out of the AFC East when they hire away from the Patriots, right? So some level of maybe you take take the best people from the best team in your division. <laughs> maybe a little bit of that, right? There's there's a theory there at least to work with. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver looks at Eric Bannemi very closely. But like you're saying, I don't know if Eric Bannemi would look at Denver that closely. So it's it has to go both ways there. It has to be mutually beneficial. But let's go back. We're talking about Denver here. We might as well talk about the report that the team may be sold as soon as this spring. Now, I don't entirely understand what's going on with the ownership situation there. But I do know it's been rumored for couple of years at this point that the Broncos are close to being sold. What do you know? So there's some kind of legal battle dispute that's been going on with the Broncos. And that's really all it says. And, you know, lawyers can't talk about X, Y, or Z. I I get it. Uh, But it does make the whole thing very interesting. All they're able to say is that that has pretty much been cleared up. And to expect that potentially the team could be sold as early as the spring been seeing reports about that all day. Now it's just kind of one of those things that's starting to get confirmed. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I'm curious to see what that will mean for the Broncos. Uh, Losing Vic Fangio. That's interesting. I, I get it. The defense, you know, he's a defensive guru. We saw what he was able to do with the bears defense. And has not been the Broncos' defense has been fantastic. It's just the offense that has been brutal, (laughs) brutal, and then to the point where you know Teddy Bridgewater was the heart and soul of that team, especially on offense. You saw just how bad Drew Locke was, and he was supposed to be your big signing. I don't know. It's not a not a great look. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it at this point, but injuries have been a consistent through line with Teddy Bridgewater's career. So at this point, it feels like if you're going into a season with Teddy Bridgewater as your starter, you already have an expectation of a ceiling there. At the same time, to be in a position where Teddy Bridgewater is your starter means that you have failed to some degree as a GM or coach and getting your team in a position to succeed. So I love Teddy Bridgewater, but it's also true to say that he is not a reliable option to go into a season as your starter. And the Broncos, the Panthers, the Vikings, the, I mean, insert team here has realized that at this point, the Saints had him on the roster for two years and they didn't want to go into the season with him starting. So mm-hmm. it's, it's clear at this point Teddy Bridgewater is the the poor man's Ryan Fitzpatrick, even, <laughs> which is terrible, but it feels true. So 
Before we move on from all this coaching and GM talk, do you have any parting shots for us on this particular topic? Well, I first want to say the Giants might be one of the worst-run teams in the league. Why wait the extra day to fire Joe Judge? Right. Um, It's just – it makes no sense to me. Uh, The last thing I want to say here, too, is will anybody else get fired? A lot of people are hoping – you know, a lot of Panthers fans are kind of hoping for Matt Rule to get fired. It sounds like he is going to be retained. I don't, as I look through the list, I don't know of anybody else that is on the chopping block at this point. Your team's either in the playoffs or you've been fired, in my opinion. Yeah, certainly certainly worth monitoring the Matt Rule Carolina situation. I don't see any way that they would have realistically moved on from him after this season, though. I mean, there was so much turmoil with injuries and COVID for the Panthers specifically, that it doesn't feel like a head coaching problem just yet, but it's turning into one. You know, you can't have too many seasons where you have excuses, <laughs> as Matt Nagy certainly just found out. So, <laughs> uh, two, more, why. It's you. Two, more, two more bits of NFL news for us here. A couple of record talks. Uh, Cooper Cup finished 18 yards shy of Megatron's single-season receiving yards record. You have to figure that the extra game played into that quite a bit. I mean, we know for sure that it did. He was almost 150 yards shy last week. But he finishes 18 yards shy of the record. Cooper Cup had a fantastic season. I don't want to take that away from him. But, man, this extra game is certainly putting some records in jeopardy, huh? Yeah, you know, I was honestly hoping Cooper Cup could have had the first 2,000 receiving yard season and really been into that MVP talk. Unfortunately, not even breaking Megatron's record kind of takes him out of that, and that really sucks because I want to see somebody not named Aaron Rodgers win the MVP award, and that's not fully happen. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not even fully Aaron Rodgers' hate. It's just that there are other players on the team that do have important jobs, and uh, I think Cooper Cup really embodied that this year with what he was able to do. I would have loved to see Cooper Cup or Jonathan Taylor getting serious consideration for the MVP, but it's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers, right? Let's be real. Um, also, T.J. Watt tied the single season record for sacks in a season adding half a sack to his totals in that last game there, brought him up to 22 and a half on the season. And, but the next play, he got kneed in the nuts. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was his tweet, too. Uh, something like left. But that was, I think that was J.J. Watt's tweet. <laughs> the parents, man. The conspiracy. Get him out of the game. <laughs> but, man, he's got to be in line for the Defensive Player of the Year award. I can't name another player who is really as deserving. Maybe Micah Parsons, but he's going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. And, wow, it's really just an incredible season for D.J. Watt there. Got to say, to me, he's more of the reason that the Steelers made the playoffs than Ben Roethlisberger ever was this year. Kind of kind of hard to debate that. <laughs> Big Ben, man. Uh Ironically enough, you know, I live closer to Kansas City now. We're looking at ticket prices for this game. 
it's uh, it's not that bad. And if it wasn't the night game and I didn't have you know three small kids, maybe we consider going. But there is no way that's happening with the uh, with the weather, the night game, and then the forty minute drive to Kansas City. If we actually get Cincinnati at Tennessee for the divisional round, I would seriously consider going to that. <laughs> Speaking of going to playoff games. But anyway, uh, that's all I got for the NFL. Do you have any parting shots for the NFL before we get into college news here? No, man, it was it was crazy. I actually enjoyed the extra game more than I thought I would, uh, yeah. even though I spent most of it watching the Bears. It was really just a, uh, as far as the Bears game goes, it was a, it was the epitome of why Matt Nagy is gone. There's your why. We finally found it in game, <laughs> you know, week 18. Congratulations. Took an extra whole week, but we discovered that Matt Nagy's not a good coach. It's <laughs> depressing, man. It, it kind of really is. So for college news, let's start off with Oregon State. I mean, Corvallis getting a whole new stadium here. Really exciting. Got to watch the old stadium get imploded. That's always a good time. Um, they're expanding quite a bit here, so it's really good to see. Staying in the Pac-12 here, I mean, I talk about Cameron Ward a lot. I will freely admit that. At the same time, Cameron Ward's going to Washington State next season. That is awesome. I love to see it. His head coach, Incarnate Word, is now the offensive coordinator at Washington State, so it made sense that he was going to go to Washington State, right? But still, it's cool to see he never got a Power 5 offer out of high school, goes to Incarnate Word, lights it up, and is headed to the Pac-12. I'm very excited for the future of Pac-12 football. Now, I know you guys keep hating on it, but legit, there is some there is some good football out there. You just have to find it. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, whatever you say. Staying out west, let's go to Hawaii, where there's also good football if you know where to look. Uh, but it's apparently not at the University of Hawaii right now because, man, Todd Graham has some allegations against him. The way he has been running that program, there's over a dozen players in the transfer portal right now out of Hawaii trying to escape what they say Todd Graham has basically mismanaged the program uh, some verbal abuse of players. I don't know what that means exactly, but it doesn't sound good. Now, in Todd Graham's defense, according to the university president, there is, quote, substantial evidence in his defense. I don't know what that means either, but it sounds like Todd Graham's going to be staying at Hawaii, and it sounds like they are perfectly okay with clearing out what they consider to be bad apples in the locker room as far as those players transferring out. So a lot of weird things happening right now at Hawaii. I will say this seriously hurts Hawaii's contention in the Mountain West, which it seemed like they were in line for next season, the way they really played this year. A lot of starters are headed out the door, and Todd Graham's staying on possibly to the detriment of the rest of the team. What do you think about this? What do you know about this, if anything new? This is a really weird situation. So the transfer portal thing, I'd actually known for a while. Obviously, Memphis was supposed to play in the Hawaii Bowl against Hawaii. 
So it, when this came up, a lot of people were like, oh, they didn't actually have COVID. They just had a lot of players that hate their coach, <laughs> so they didn't want to play. And, uh, you know, maybe that maybe there's more truth to that than not. Uh, I would like to think people wouldn't hide behind the COVID excuse or something like that. Uh, but, again, you know, Michigan decided they weren't going to play a game because of COVID. And, yeah, that's right. that's a whole nother discussion anyway. Um I, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't think you want to have something like that hanging over your head as a, you know, for lack of a better term, a mid-major program, a group of five program right now, because there are, you know, you Hawaii's best recruiting tool is the destination. But if your coach is an asshole, uh, I don't think the destination is that appealing anymore, right? You're far away from home. You're several hours behind your your family. And now you got to deal with somebody that you don't like. And for that matter, a lot of people don't like, I don't know, kind of starts to become a tougher and tougher sell, even though it shouldn't be. Right. In that event, I would rather go to coastal Carolina, Florida international or Mm -hmm. one of the LA schools, Fresno state, maybe. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of options for beach destinations that are not littered with verbal abuse of players and, potential all sorts of allegations but like i said this is don't take what we're saying as an indictment of todd graham's program according to the university there are some legit pieces of evidence in his favor so maybe it's just a bunch of players that were really disgruntled with the program for a different reason and blaming todd graham for it that's possible too we've seen it happen before it's it's not out of the realm of possibility but this is a bad look either way for the University of Hawaii. So we'll, I'm sure we'll get back into that come the preseason reviews because, man, Hawaii was looking like one of the tops of the Mountain West here very soon. But maybe not anymore. Um, last bit of news for college football here. The College Football Hall of Fame class of 2022 was announced. And a bunch of names that I really enjoy seeing here. A bunch of names that surprised me as well. But I did want to highlight a couple of names here. I mean, Andrew Luck getting in makes all the sense in the world. LeVar Arrington, Champ Bailey. I mean, come on. Michael Crabtree was incredible at Texas Tech. To see him get into the Hall of Fame is pretty exciting for me. I will say Boomer Grigsby is the first Illinois State player in history to make the College Football Hall of Fame. And John Luckhart is the first coach or player out of Washington and Jefferson to make the Hall of Fame. He is a coach making the Hall of Fame here. Um, A couple other names to point out were Sean Salam. You may recognize him from our Heisman bracket. Finally getting some recognition here by the Hall of Fame. Uh, Bill Murphy, coach at what was formerly known as Memphis State back in his day, is making the Hall of Fame here. Really made Memphis into a a legitimate football school for the first time in their history. Ish. I believe the the playing surface is named after Bill Jack Murphy. Uh, If not, I know some facility is. I'm trying to look it up. Uh, He also went by the nickname Spook, which is hilarious to me. It, yeah, 
I, the first I remember the first time I remember seeing that somebody put Spook Murphy and I was like, ooh, can you say can you say that? Can you say that? Uh, yeah, it's another player that I really loved in college. Roy Williams is making the Hall of Fame. Defensive tackle for Oklahoma back in the day. Man, he was so dominant in college. And I don't know what he was really able to do in the NFL. I can't name his NFL career for you. But, man, Roy Williams was so good at Oklahoma. It's great to see him named here. Mike Doss for Ohio State, too, might be a name that some people don't recognize. But he was actually the MVP of that 2002 National Championship team for Ohio State. I mean, that was... Mike Doss was a, an incredible safety back there. Uh, but cool to see some first-time schools here. You know, Illinois State getting their first player. Um, Washington and Jefferson and also California, Pennsylvania, getting their coach in, in John Luckhart. Incredible career for him down in, like, what, D3, Washington and Jefferson. So just some fantastic names here. Other names that I don't recognize, I mean, I don't know everything about college football, I guess. Mo Gardner, <laughs> Marvin Jones, I haven't heard of these guys. Mark Messner, but some some great names here. I love to see Rashawn Salam getting some recognition for sure. It is about fucking time, man. Right? I, I think the most interesting one for me is Gary Pinkle. He was, I mean, it hadn't been 10 years since he was out of, you know, out of Missouri. So uh, that, that's kind of crazy that he got in so quick when you see especially the coaches. You see some of these other coaches on here. Jack Murphy's been dead for a long time. Right. I think he died in 91. So, yeah, it's, it's been a minute. But, I mean, we're getting, we're starting to see it's a good mix of modern and historic nominees here. I mean, Andrew Luck wasn't at Stanford but 10 years ago, and he's – He's already in the Hall of Fame, so and deservedly mm-hmm. so. I'm not saying he didn't deserve. I still remember. I know I can't remember who it was against, but I remember the play where Andrew Luck was scrambling out of the pocket. He took off downfield because there was nobody open. He started running, and he lowered his shoulder and decked a linebacker, and just kept running. How <laughs> to do that as a quarterback? <laughs> yeah, you love was... to see it and you hate to see it all at the same time. <laughs> I very much love to see it personally. <laughs> Man, he was fun to watch. Uh, he really made Jim Harbaugh into what he is, so take that for what it is, too. But that's all we have for the news, unless you have anything else to add there, Bug. Uh, no, you know, we skipped non NFL pro news. There might have been some more to come out about the USFL coaching situation, but this isn't the week to talk about it, or this is not the episode to talk about it, I guess I should say. There's way too much stuff going on with Black Monday at the end of the NFL season. And, of course, we got two championship games that we're going to get to here from college. So uh, what do you say? Can we say we hop right into our games, uh, game reviews here? Let's do it. So we have two college games to talk about. Bring me two national championships. I need one for each hand. Well, you got the NCAA national champion, and then you've got the college football invitational national champion. 
I mean, call them whatever you want to. We have North Dakota State and Georgia as our national champions this year. So let's talk about North Dakota State first. They beat Montana State by a lot. It was 38-10, to 10 and it didn't feel that close. I don't know if you got to see this game, but I watched at least most of it, and I got to say <laughs> North Dakota State looked absolutely dominant. Yeah, you know, I unfortunately I didn't get to um, – got busy with some other things and trying to get my house set up and all that, all that fun stuff that you – love having to do when you move and uh you know i don't i can't say i'm surprised except for the fact that montana state has been able to do this same thing that north dakota state did to them to teams that should have done it to them like there you had just as much reason to believe that montana state was going to pull out a game like this against the bison as you did for the bison to do this to montana state so uh, really it was kind of a coin flip, but I had a feeling that having the extra preparation, I had a feeling that the experience of both the players, the coach, all of it, it I, I just had a feeling it was going to go in favor of the Bison eventually, and that's what ended up happening. Nothing, and I mean nothing for Montana State to hang their heads about. I'm curious if they're going to do what Sam Houston did and be as dominant next year and be right back in the final four here, so to speak for, uh, for FCS football next season. Well, you talk about experience. <laughs> let's, let's bring up the last uh, two times that North Dakota state played Montana state in the playoffs. Both of those previous encounters were also 28 point wins for the bison. So, Want to talk about some playoff experience in these big moments? Uh, North Dakota State has three straight experiences of beating Montana State by four touchdowns. Really insane stat there. I will also say it's really difficult to win a game when your starting quarterback goes down in the opening drive. So Montana State really didn't feel like they had a shot here. But to be down 28 nothing at half, that's just that's brutal. And I don't know that anybody comes back from that. So, I mean, even like the biggest comeback we saw in bowl season in general, Oklahoma State came back on Notre Dame by 21 points. It wasn't four touchdowns. So, I mean, this, this national championship was over after the first defensive position for North Dakota State, which is unbelievable. At the same time, it's the ninth national championship in 11 years for the Bison. So, <laughs> I mean, what else do you want? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And what's interesting, too, is, like, I'm sure there's a little bit of, uh, you know, being able to say, oh, yeah, we'll get you to a national championship for these guys that are not going to play FBS. But I wonder how many FBS talent guys they're able to pull away from Alabama where they could potentially get those same promises. Certainly fair. I mean, we're about to see another North Dakota State player go on the first round, I would bet. And, I mean, it's it's really incredible to see what the Missouri Valley Conference has been able to do. It's honestly become, I would say, the third or fourth premier conference in all of college football. 
if you want to go to the NFL, you either go to the SEC, the Big Ten, maybe you consider the ACC or Big 12, but right up there with the ACC and Big 12, you have to consider the Missouri Valley Conference. There are some legitimate pathways to the NFL from there. Not just North Dakota State, but also South Dakota State, Northern Iowa. I mean, we're seeing all these different players being really successful out of there. It's really, really pretty incredible to see. Southern Illinois even has put a good number of players, most recently Jeremy Chin, into the NFL. And before that, was it Anthony Ferkser? Tied in on the tied in on the Titans. They're doing it on both sides of the ball as well, is my point here. So man, it's uh don't I mean, we've seen we've seen two first round quarterbacks out of North Dakota State recently. So it's it's really obvious. I think our point here is if you're a high school football player and you're listening to us for whatever reason, first of all, thank you. Second of all, don't think that it's D one or bust. Don't think that it's power five or bust. Go work your ass off. Good things will happen. The other national championship that we happened to see this weekend, Georgia got their first win since 1980 and their third ever national championship when they beat Alabama 33-18. to I will say it was not that, not nearly that far apart at halftime. Uh, six to nine. Nice. You nice. should have seen our tweet. But, yeah, Georgia pulled away in the second half here. Now, Alabama is 3-4-3. Three, three. Not 3-3. Three three. They're 3-6 three total in college football playoff national championship games. Absolutely asinine to me. They've made six national championships out of the eight possible in the playoff era. That's disgusting. But Georgia wins this one. <laughs> um, it it certainly felt like time for Georgia, kind of in the same way to me. It felt like LSU had that, basically everyone on that defense left after that national championship year. Basically everyone on this Georgia defense is going to be gone next season. This was kind of the year for Georgia. I did pick them, but even I didn't really believe it was going to be this far apart. 33-18 to 18 feels pretty dominant. Well, and it's worth mentioning, too, Alabama went up 18 to, what, 16? 18 to 14? I, I don't I don't remember. And uh, Georgia, what had happened was Stenson Bennett gets sacked. Ball is coming out of his hand, and he kind of just pushes it forward. It's a fumble that goes 15 yards down the field. Alabama player just kind of nonchalantly grabs it, barely got his foot in, and I'm sitting there like, "Oh my god!" Like how? Like only Alabama can do something like this, <laughs> right? And they go score their only touchdown of the game on the, you know, not the next play, but you know, the ensuing drive. Stenson Bennett after the game said, "I'm not going to let that." You know, he said, "You know, in the moment, he said this is not the play that is going to be why we lose." Leads Georgia on a beautiful touchdown drive. I believe they, <laughs> yeah, they stopped Alabama. Get a, he has another amazing touchdown drive. I said on Twitter after the first one, I said, I'm still not a sense of Bennett believer, but that was a nice drive. Then he does it again. I'm like, again, beautiful drive. 
great great place Stenson done it. Great game. Yeah. Right. Uh, he went on to say, this is how the game ended. There was a pick six late in the game. Alabama's pushing the ball. Bryce Young, who looked shaky in this game, I'm not going to lie to you, and uh, throws a pick six. Stenson Bennett said he started to tear up as soon as he saw the interception happen. Georgia probably would have been able to just hand the ball off, get a first down, then kneel it out. He said he started to tear up, and he didn't even know he was returning. He thought he went down right away. When he found out he went to the end zone, he lost it, and the camera could not get off of his face. Like, he was he was an emotional – I don't want to say an emotional wreck, but he was overcome with emotions on the sideline. A kid Understandably that, so. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you watched the national championship at all, they talked about his journey to becoming the Georgia starting quarterback. Nobody believed in him. It's been his dream since he was three years old. Went to JUCO, played there for a little bit. I mean – you know, the whole thing. And, uh, man, hats off to him. He 100% looked better than the Heisman Trophy winner, especially down the stretch of this game. I picked Alabama because it's one of those things where you just don't pick against Saban, just like you don't pick against Brady in the playoffs. I am not upset that Alabama lost, and I'm not upset that I was wrong because – when you see a team this good in a dynasty this amazing lose, it's because somebody that much better was able to do it to them, right? So it was it was special. It was it was awesome to see. Gotta say, Stetson Bennett has another year of eligibility here, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back. They try to do it again. I don't think he will be able to. I mean, they're losing basically all their defense, but. He should be at least a contender for that walk-on award next year. <laughs> Burlesworth? Mean, Baker Mayfield won it twice. So I and I'll be say, I'll say at least too, up there. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, too, if Stenson Bennett does come back, you know, we, we see it a lot where guys don't want to come back is it, it's going to hurt their draft stock. I don't think anything happens with Stenson Bennett's draft stock going up if he comes back and performs as good right. as he did in this game. The question is going to be how he can maintain it. And I'll tell you what, I hope he can because it was it was beautiful to see. Well, and the fact that he wasn't able to start this whole season. I mean, JT Daniels got a lot of looks for the Bulldogs here. Stetson Bennett really didn't get the call until – I mean, Georgia was like kind of out of options. So they were like, okay, well, I guess Stetson Bennett's going to be our starter. And then he came out and, you know, absolutely dominated here the last down the stretch. So it's really cool to see. I do like that storyline. At the same time, I can't stand that this was an all SEC national championship game. Personally, that is disgusting and vile, and I wish it would never happen again in the history of college football. I'm sure it will happen probably next year because college football hates me personally. I have heard the argument that adding teams to the college football playoff is only going to ensure that this happens more. Right. I, I don't know that I completely agree or disagree with that, to be completely fair. And the reason I say that is, for a lot of the reasons that we had, you know, we saw with Alabama, Yesterday, I think I don't think Bryce Young was 
a far and away Heisman winner, regardless of what the vote says. I just don't, I don't see it, and I definitely didn't see it last night. I think he's a great player, you know, no doubt about that. He's a great player. I just don't think that he is so much better than everybody else that he wins. You know, any other year, maybe he doesn't win the Heisman. I think he won it because he was the quarterback for Alabama. That went on after losing a game to win the Iron Bowl in the waning seconds of the game and then win the SEC championship. Throw in there, Alabama looked shaky a lot this past season, including losing to Texas A&M. Georgia had one bad game against Alabama. I fully still subscribe to the fact that they threw that game. Neither here nor there at this point. They got the job done when it mattered. My point is, Georgia, I think, was the best team by a mile anyway. I don't know that anybody would beat them. This is more specifically about Alabama. And I wonder if anybody would have been able to beat Alabama had they had to go through a real playoff and not just one game or one extra game before the national championship, right? It's definitely interesting. I think more SEC teams will probably get in because even though I think it's very easy to prove that once you get past the top two or three, sometimes four, once you get past that, the conference isn't good. And you got to look no further than how they did in bowl games this year. You know, cool, you sent everybody but one, but you finished a game below 500. And that's, you know, with or without the national championship involved anyway. Take out the playoff games because they part of the four best teams, quote unquote, and you finish two games below 500. So, I mean, fair, but let's go ahead and start counting Oklahoma as an SEC team for this purpose. Right. And <laughs> I mean, it's going to look like it's going to look like SEC plus Ohio State in basically every top five going into next season. I mean, Notre Dame might be right there. Um, I've seen Clemson right there, but probably not in the top five still. It's going to be some order of probably actually the top two, Alabama, Ohio State, and then some other SEC teams in that top five, right? Maybe, I mean, CBS Sports has Oklahoma maybe even up there in the top five for next season, even with their new coach, Brent Venables. So... It's going to be SEC and Ohio State and Notre Dame for the foreseeable future, <laughs> which is kind of gross. But, you know, it is what it is. If that's what ends up happening and we get an expanded playoff and we end up with Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M all making the playoff every year, um, I would throw up every year. I, I think expand, expansion is the only thing that makes sense. Right. Right. I mean, as only idiots are saying that Cincinnati didn't belong, that putting a group of five team in the playoff was a mistake, that it ruined the playoffs. Only idiots are saying that. People that watch the game, people that understand college football, they're not saying that. Right. I don't yeah. know. It's It's interesting. It's definitely time. It's definitely time to expand the playoff. I think everybody is kind of uh, uh, kind of warming up to that idea as well. So I don't know. It's I, I'm interested to see how this how this shakes out in the coming years. 
I can't say it was a super interesting team or a super interesting year of college football, especially when you end up having a uh, an SEC championship rematch as your national championship game. I don't know. It's just it's whatever. Of no, I mean, you say that at the same time we saw a totally unexpected Big Twelve championship. We saw Cincinnati make the playoff, first ever Group of Five team to do so. We saw, I mean, some unbelievable action down in the Group of Five conferences that we just we couldn't have accounted for in any way. We saw BYU basically being the Pac-12 champion. <laughs> I mean, that was there were some incredible storylines around college football this season that. To end up with Alabama versus Georgia in the title game really diminished what should have been a, a whole year for the record books, in my opinion. I mean, this was just a fantastic season as a whole. And going into next season, I expect a lot of the same to continue. I mean, I just talked about how the top five is going to probably be some order of SEC teams and Ohio State. But you're also going to look at Notre Dame is on the rise for sure. We all see it coming. Marcus Freeman has made a difference already and should continue to do so. Clemson's having to rebuild, but it feels like this is going to be a lot better team than last year. NC State actually looks like a national title contender coming into next season. We have Arkansas looking really good. Maybe USC is on the rise again. Can Wake Forest keep it up? I mean, there are some really interesting storylines going into next season that really didn't feel like would have existed before. I mean, to see BYU and Cincinnati losing all of the talent that they are and still getting put into some preseason top 25s, that feels like a step in the right direction for college football, even if they are basically Power 5 teams already, right? I mean, those, those two are going to be in the Big 12 but right now, they're not. Right now, Cincinnati's still an American Athletic Conference team. They're getting respect as if they're a traditional power. And I, I feel like that's deserved at this point, but I'm surprised to see it still. So it's, it's good to see. And I don't think this kind of thing would have happened without the totality of all the crazy things that we saw this past college football season. Truly some spectacular storylines. And I, I know you're saying it feels like a letdown because of Alabama, Georgia, but I'm just, I want to keep saying this is one hell of a season. Yeah, I don't, I, I think you're right. I think I'm more just, uh, come on, really? Like we're doing this again. <laughs> I agree. I do agree. <laughs> but still. What are you going to do? It is what it is. <laughs> um, but let's go ahead and talk about some NFL. That's probably the last time we get to talk about college football for a while, so I had to go on a rant. It felt necessary. But let's talk about some NFL football. We are wrapping up the regular season. This is the last NFL game review of this 2021 regular season. So... Uh, I guess let's start with Tug's game. Let's get to your game, and then we'll go to my game, and then we'll talk about. I'll let you let you loose on Chargers Raiders. <laughs> but uh, but first, let's talk about Tug's game here. He had the Niners and Rams, which was a fantastic pick for his game of the week. The 49ers 
actually didn't look like they were in a position to really compete in this one going into the fourth quarter. And then they took it to overtime, and then they won in overtime. Man, unbelievable. Yeah, win and you're in. The 49ers were able to pull it off in incredible fashion. I was very surprised. In the process, the Rams fell from the number two seed all the way to the number four seed in the playoffs. <laughs> That's got to feel good, too, to knock down your division rival that far. And I'll, I'll say this, too. I've seen it before. I'm just going to say it now so it's on here publicly for everybody to hear. The 49ers are my pick to win the Super Bowl this year. Unreal. We are not doing picks today, by the way. We're going to do an entire playoff bracket selection show next episode, so stay tuned for that. Well, let's get back to our game reviews. What was your game of the week, bud? My game of the week was Saints-Falcons. I thought there would be some scoreboard watching, and uh, I'm sure there was to a degree. But this game ended up ended so early compared to the overtime thriller we had in L.A. that uh, it really didn't matter. The Saints took care of business like I thought they would. They went 30-20. to 20. But when the 49ers won that game, Saints are on the outside looking in. Their cap is an absolute mess. Their quarterback room is a mess. I want to say that they'll be fine. And if Sean Payton stays, I think they will be. But, man, it's uh, it's not looking great right now. And they've, they've got some work to do. Hopefully, a cap increase will help them out this offseason. But as of today, I'm sitting here saying, man, this was this was their last real shot because they are going to lose pieces. That's just that's all there is to it. At the same time, I can say to be this close to a playoff berth after all of those issues is just a true testament to the incredible coaching of Sean Payton, because, man, they did not deserve to be this close to a playoff berth. (laughs) Not at all. You know, who else was not deserving of being that close to a playoff berth was the Indianapolis Colts. They went into the season with some serious question marks at several positions. And yet, at the same time, everyone was kind of respecting them because they have a couple of offensive line pieces, right? It feels like they have the linebacking core down anyway. I like one of their corners. I mean... They have, I mean, we talked about before, Jonathan Taylor has turned into someone who I would like to see as a legit MVP candidate. No one thought that at the beginning of the season, but it's turned out to be true. At the same time, you have a head coach that nobody really trusts yet, for understandable reasons. And you also have Carson Wentz at quarterback, who no one trusts yet, for understandable reasons. So, they go into this game, the last game of the regular season, it's a must win, win and you're in kind of a game, and what do they do? They drop in insane fashion. 26-11, to 11, the Jacksonville Jaguars beat up on the Indianapolis Colts. What? <laughs> Makes absolutely no sense. So I know I had this stat for the last episode, but I want to I be the one to say it this time around. You know, the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. What is going on with that? That makes and no sense to me. What's it's crazier? Absolutely insane. Because when you say Indianapolis Colts and Jacksonville Jaguars, 
it's easy to forget they're in the same division. <laughs> right. They play there every season. Right. Every year, and they haven't won there since 2014. The Colts have been the better team at minimum all but one of those years. I mean, my goodness. I don't understand this rivalry at all, but I'm glad that it exists because it's really fun. And <laughs> it's one of those things that shouldn't exist, but definitely does at this point. It's <laughs> it's kind of great. <laughs> and you love to see that I'm the only one that believes in Jacksonville. And I, I won't lie. I won't lie. I took it in part because of our bonus game. We'll get there in a second. Before I do, I got a quote, and I hate that John's not here. We differed on Jacksonville Colts, and that's the only game we differed on. That's the only one that matters because it means that I win our NFL picks for this season, 26-17. and 17. Tug comes hey, that's in second. Good. Yeah, 25-18. and 18. And then uh, – I mean, I was under 500. We don't have to talk about that. I was, <laughs> I won the things that mattered to me personally. I won the college regular season. I won bowl season. NFL, you can have it, Pug. It's all you. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> you did great. 26-17, that's something to sneeze at. These are, I mean, basically every game in the NFL is, by definition, a coin flip. I mean, it should be. These games ought to be really close talent-wise and coaching-wise. Any given Sundays of saying for a reason. So, I mean, to be that in tune with the NFL that you're above 500, that's a good thing. You know, it's worth listening to the show for. But that it. leads us right into Chargers Raiders, which was absolutely worth tuning into the NFL for this week by itself. The last game of the regular season. What do you got, Bug? This was a wild ride. Man, it really should have been a tie, huh? It should have been. Went to OT. Chargers play great. Raiders end up winning this. And uh turns out that the Chargers called a timeout late in the game, late in OT, as the Raiders have the ball or driving. Well, then they change the defense. And so the Raiders are sitting there like, well, now we've got to change the play because we just want to get this first down so we don't give the ball back to you because you play to win the game, right? And, you know, you brought it up that Derek Carr was, and Rick Passatia for that matter, were quoted as saying, you know, if they hadn't called that timeout, we'd have, we'd have you know, kneeled and the game would have been over. He says, no, that's not true. If they wouldn't have called that timeout and changed the defense we probably don't end up in a position to be able to kick the field goal. But because they went and threw an extra defensive tackle in, they no longer had the option to really run the ball. It's an obvious pass situation for any offensive coordinator that has half a brain. And they pass the ball, get in field goal range, call timeout, and win the game. However, I like the out-of-context quote more. And uh, if you want to just tune out the last 15 seconds of what I said, it is perfectly fine for you to continue to believe that the Chargers calling a timeout cost them a shot at the playoffs because they did they cost themselves the tie. It's fun to make fun of Brandon Staley for that because the analytics guy gets wrecked by his own analytics once again. But I don't think it's really true. Uh, I will say, if this game had been a tie, the Raiders would have to play the Chiefs. And since the Raiders won, now they're playing the Bengals. I would 
definitely rather play the Bengals than the Chiefs. So to go for a tie would have been really dumb to me. They also <laughs> gave Big Ben another game, right? Because if, if those two True. teams tie, then the Steelers don't get in. True. And I wish they would have tied for that reason because I'm not a very big Big Ben fan personally. But at the same time, also, I mean, I would have loved to see Justin Herbert make the playoffs. I think this Chargers team is the best non-playoff team in the NFL right now. It's just, man, I there's a couple of things wrong with them. <laughs> I think part of it is on the coaching staff, though, which is unfortunate. Justin Herbert is a fantastic player, and I, man, I would have loved to see him in some playoff football instead of Big Ben. But we got what we got. It's all right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, speaking of Big Ben, might as well just go straight into our players to watch here. He was my player to watch. In his final regular season game, probably, as a Steeler, he went 30-44, 244 yards, one touchdown, one interception, sacked once, and an 80.1 QBR. They win an OT. Yeah, he gets to go to the playoffs again. I think this is just what Ben Roethlisberger is at this point. Unfortunately, the defense is not the, uh, what, 2012 Broncos defense that Peyton Manning had? Is that what year it was? I mean, it's not that defense. previous year of Steelers defense. Good that too. <laughs> yeah, it's, his defense is not going to be able to carry him, you know, into the sunset with a Super Bowl ring on his way out of town. But honestly, if... Who knows? The playoffs are a whole new season. Maybe maybe something about the cold and, you know, late season football. Maybe he'll be able to turn it on, but that first game being at Arrowhead, that's uh, that's rough. <laughs> that is very rough. I think I have quoted it before on the show, but I, think I want to quote it again. It was Wayne Gretzky who said the regular season is a whole season. The playoffs are a whole new season. And the Stanley Cup Finals are a whole new season. So if Big Ben can get going here in this new season of the playoffs, that could still be fun to watch. I mean, he is one of the best quarterback talents of our lifetimes. Let's be real. So, you know, it's it's good. His last season in the NFL, get him another playoff game. I don't hate it necessarily. Uh, my player to watch was Derrick Henry. He did not suit up for the game which makes complete and total sense. I just I hate it. I wanted to see him play. At the same time, this was absolutely the right decision. He better be ready to go for the playoffs. The Titans need him. <laughs> they lost, um, I think it was 30% of their total offensive production. Like in terms of points per game scored, it's like 30% fewer points per game than what they had with Derrick Henry on the field. So... Getting him back for the playoffs is a huge deal. Definitely understand not playing him here. But it definitely also made the Titans-Texans game less fun to watch in Week 18. So, double edged they still walked <laughs> up the win. They still got the number they one did. overall seed, which also they helps did. Derrick Henry because now he has yet another week to rest before he's needed back on the field. And they will play the lowest seeded victor out of the first week. So 
like I said, it might end up being Titans Bengals, which would probably only be like a hundred bucks a ticket. I might have to go to that. <laughs> might be worth going to. We'll warn you, Nissan Stadium's a fucking maze from everything I've heard. So keep that in mind. <laughs> I guess I'll take Tug's uh, player to watch, and he just took the entire 49ers defense because reasons. Uh, I don't so blame thanks, him necessarily, but you know, not we'll exactly within the rules. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's our show. Screw it. We'll right. be nice to see something a little. A little different, but uh, you know, they were they man, they really turned it on at the end of the game, right? Because <laughs> the Rams actually had something to play for, something people really didn't fully expect. I guess we even talked about you know them potentially not even you know, uh, Cooper Cup not having as big of an opportunity to break a record, get 2,000 receiving yards because they're gonna want to rest him. The defense was able to keep the 49ers in that game and keep that from happening. They beat a full strength, uh, Los Angeles Rams team. And although the uh, Seahawks didn't end up getting in, so your preseason prediction did not come true. Uh, we still got three out of four. You're pretty four good. Bad at all. <laughs> I ain't bad at all. And yeah, I gotta say he tug technically picked Nick Bosa, I think as his player to watch who didn't have that great of a game, but he also kind of picked the Niners' defense overall. And Eric Armstead had two and a half sacks, which has got to be worth something. Defense overall had five sacks on the game. And let's be real, defensive MVP for the 49ers has got to be Ambry Thomas with that game-sealing interception down the stretch there. They had two picks on the game, but Ambry Thomas is one. That one really, really ended it. So, it was a fun game. That was a fantastic way to finish this season. couple of overtime games in Week 18. Really good week. But, hey, we're getting into playoff football now. Anything goes. The whole whole world gets flipped upside down. The rules get thrown out the window. This is Smash Mouth playoff football, baby. <laughs> But that also means that the first 18 picks of the NFL draft are set. So if you're a Jags fan, a Lions fan, you know, a Jets fan, Giants fan, you're already rooting for April. Well, you're a Giants fan. You got two first, uh, two first round picks to be excited for. I mean, same with the Jets and the Lions, and the Eagles have three first round picks. So <laughs> all sorts of crazy things going on. But Change we'll will be we'll talk about the draft later. We got the playoffs to talk about next show and this one, I think we're done wrapping up the games unless you had something else to add, but up to you. Uh, I got nothing about the NFL or college, man. It's uh college completely done show. Probably going to get a little bit quicker not having to talk about any college games. Um, but I, I am excited to get into all this, you know, more NFL centric. We really put it on the back burner for a while. And uh, we did. We, it was deserved, though. The NFL was kind of boring in the middle there. It felt like everything was going exactly as predicted for about four weeks, which mm-hmm. happened to coincide with the most hectic four weeks of college football. So it really worked out for us, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> when you're good, you're good sometimes. Just like we planned it, right? 
<laughs> I guess. But that is going to do it for our show here today. It's been a good one. I some good news to talk about here, for sure. Uh, the end of college football, like you said. So, hate to see it go. Love to watch it leave, baby. <laughs> um, but you can find us at a whole bunch of different links that all be in the description. You know, we have a Twitter, we have a Facebook, we have a website. Think BDT football. You can find us pretty much everywhere except Instagram. It's BDT underscore football on there. Again, all those links will be in the description. And that's about all I got for us, unless you had a final parting shot for the show, but. Well, yeah, like I mentioned, I've been doing a lot more streaming. So if you are interested in watching me play different video games, again, primarily going to be NHL and some Madden, looking at throwing in a couple other things because I do it for fun more than really trying to make money or have a huge following with it like a lot of these professional streamers do. But go check it out. It's uh, Twitch, Big Ben underscore 44. And, uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Looking forward to doing more of it. I do have a Snapple fact for you, though. Oh, boy. The longest attack of hiccups lasted 68 years. That is unbelievable, as in I do not believe you. It sounds painful. It sounds like I would not want to live. I wonder if it just ended with death. Unfortunately, my fact does not say that's how it ended. But I have heard of, you know, having years-long pickups before so i think that's so like that leads me originally. that leads me to a legit fair question do you have any good tactics for getting rid of hiccups because i have one and i wonder if it's the same uh pitching the webbing of your finger in between your thumb and your index finger has always worked decently well for me hmm. what's uh what's yours mine sounds ridiculous but it's absolutely true I eat a spoonful of peanut butter, and it goes away. You know what? You say spoonful of peanut butter. I was hammered drunk at Steak and Shake one time and got the hiccups. Waitress brings me a spoonful of sugar, and what do you know? It was all gone. (laughs) But some nice down-home southern bags for you to end the show. That's what I like to hear. (laughs) That's some big dudes in the trenches information, if I ever heard. Spoonful of sugar. (laughs) Help the medicine go down. Isn't that how the song goes? Helps the hiccups go away. That's that's what <laughs> it's all about. Uh, that's all we got. So I'm not saying Tug's catchphrase. I refuse. Uh, do you want to? Or are we heading out of here? Peace out, Girl Scout. Good enough for me.